On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. You're going to have to have a track record to get ahead now. Nobody is going to take beautiful talent and turn it into a career like it used to happen. You're going to have to come in with some business behind you. That's why we called this podcast The Climb. We created it because we want you to win. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. See what we did there? Mm -hmm. So that is a Baxter-nym created by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, And on the regular, he connects you with the pros so that you can begin to create relationships and climb up that ladder. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. It all sounds very complicated, but thankfully, Johnny's very smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists such as Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. Hello. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Man, I'm doing all right. It's a pretty day actually out right now, and I think everyone's gone from the house. So, fewer distractions. This is nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Man, I got all this new video gear and stuff. I cleaned out a room here, and I'm going to start setting it up. So Nice. Let's just start making some serious video content, people. So, get ready. New toys. <laughs> new toys. New toys. Yes. Right. Today, we are going to learn about seven mistakes that will delay or destroy your dream. And we're going to go deep into that and make sure that uh, we're identifying them and that you're taking action to fix it. So we'll not only tell you what they are, but also give you some ideas on how to get you on the right track there. Awesome. But before we do that, let's take care of a little business here. It's a digital world out there, totally digital now, because we still can't tour with the corona thing. Mm -hmm. But physical media is super important to today's independent musician. The royalty payments are so small that selling a product like CDs and vinyls and T-shirts at gigs is a massive income generator. Even if people don't listen to CDs anymore, they'll buy them at a show because they want you to sign it. It's a souvenir. Mm -hmm. And it commemorates that specific night, you know? Yeah. And you know what? For every CD you sell at a gig, you need about 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. That's a lot of streams. We love streams. Go get streams. Go get you some. But... Man, it's hard to replace the income that you can get from a live show once you start touring again. So we think that you are leaving money on the table when you don't have merch on the table. 3,000 streams, one CD. Do the math, right? So thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. You can find them online at discmakers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. 
All right, and if you haven't joined the Climb community yet, please do so. We welcome everybody in. You have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in, and you just got to be good boys and girls or you'll be roadhoused out. These are all your peers, your contemporaries here. This isn't where you're going to sell your music. All right. But it is a place where you can get some recognition and show people what you're up to. Just do it in the right place, Mm -hmm. right? And it's thriving. This is not a Facebook group that is everybody shouting into a corner, and it's got 300,000 people in the Facebook group but nobody ever goes there. Like everybody's active on this Facebook group, which we like. And you post questions and you get real answers. So what's happening these days in the Facebook group, Brent? Johnny, you're going to make me pull up my phone here and see what's happening here. Let's see. Apparently I've been forgetting to post the new height segment (laughs) this week. So no new ones there because, you know, I forgot to post it. But let's take a look here and see what's going on in the climate community when Brent doesn't forget to do stuff. As always, welcoming new climbers. Elaine Lennon Music, Kim Royer, Colorado Caesar, Billy McDowell, Bill O'Hanlon. Welcome to the climb. So welcome in folks in. It's a place you can go and catch podcast episodes you've missed. The Three Minutes and the Truth. Martin Vipond is posting this week's motivation. Nice. So he has a nice little post there. Yeah, so thank you, Martin. Some folks asking questions. You shared that really gross picture from Mindy Pack about what your throat looks like with and without the straw. Yeah. (laughs) And you'll just have to look that up to see what that is. But at first I thought, am I going to have to get rid of this? Oh, wait, that's not a dirty picture. That's someone's throat. So... Anyway, <laughs> that's not a vagina. Those are vocal cords. Those are vocal cords. I was like, what is, oh, the Johnny posted it. What did John, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> you never know. Just, you I never know. <laughs> oh, hey, did you say that O'Hanlon just joined? Yeah, and I was like, what took him so long? Yeah, we had to shout him out 20 times before he did it. Playing like, hard to get. <laughs> I love that. Okay. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your podcast so that you get every episode in order and you can kind of pick and choose, cherry pick the ones that speak to you the best and good stuff when you have those sleepless nights. Take five seconds, leave a rating and review. And finally, tell a friend about it. That's the best thing you can do, man. If you've got a fellow songwriter, a bandmate, another musician that you know that's on your scene, turn them on to this podcast. If there's something that really spoke to you, then it might help somebody else out too. And that's why we're doing this. We want to help. We want you to win. So, mm-hmm. so help us help you, right? That's right, yeah. <laughs> All right, so what's on tap today? What are we looking at today? So I have to give credit where credit is due on this. I read this blog from Rachel Blakely Gray, and she's a content coordinator at a company called Patriot Software. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where I saw the blog. It might have been Medium. It was probably Medium, I think. This is a workplace blog. It's aimed at business owners or business managers and companies. But man, I'm reading through this and every single one just kept ringing my bell about it could all be applied to singers and songwriters and indie artists too. And it's things that are getting in the way of your dreams. We're going to call it seven mistakes that will delay or destroy your dream. Cause we're going to manipulate this a little bit to package it up for our audience. Mm-hmm. But her, initial title was common workplace productivity killers and what you can do about them. Mm -hmm. So you have to identify the mistakes that you make that are causing speed bumps in your career or in your artistic journey, whether that's as a songwriter or as an artist Mm -hmm. or as a musician. And step one is you got to identify them. And step two is you need to just be aware of them and then fix them. Once you've identified them, once you admit that these are things that need to change, then every time you catch yourself doing them, you are hopefully going to make a little pivot, make a little tweak. Identify, then rectify. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. So I'm going to kind of read some of the stuff that she said, and then we're going to repackage it, guys. Okay. So number one is disengagement. Engagement and productivity are intertwined. The more excited an employee is about their job, the more likely they'll be productive at work. And this is true. Like engagement leads to higher productivity and 21% higher profitability. But the cost of disengagement is more than just not having those things I mentioned, it leads to higher turnover rates and that hurts your business productivity levels. Disengagement as far as the climber that's listening going, hey, I'm an indie artist or I'm a songwriter. Does it mean disengagement for me? Like I'm not engaged with what I'm doing or people on my team? And do I even have a team? Well, I think it's people on your team. And I think even if you're very early on in your artistic journey. You have a team. If you're a songwriter, then you've got lots of different teams, probably, right? People that you write with. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're in a band and you've got like a Mick Jagger, Keith Richards kind of a thing, then you've got a team there. Okay. Even though you guys are just starting out. So this is about keeping the people around you engaged in the, the vision and the mission of your creative vision. Yes, that's right. And then for the mid-level artists and for artists who are farther along in their dream, not only is it a disengagement, I've experienced not just disengagement from people who maybe aren't good at team building or good at leading, but just the opposite. They have no idea what they're talking about. I remember having a client where their daughter was the artist and her first single goes out on radio. First single out on radio. She's 14 years old. And the parents, two weeks later, screaming at the team on the phone because she's not in the top 40 yet. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody's just rolling their eyes like, you're an idiot. You know, (laughs) this takes time. Not only are you just being a horrible person right now, but also you clearly have no idea what you're talking about. She ended up getting in the top 40, but it wasn't going to happen in two weeks. Yeah. It takes time. But the fixes for disengagement, the big ones here that I caught are, how good of a relationship do you have with your team? Whether it's a songwriters or whether it is a bandmate or something like that. Are you lending an ear for questions, comments, concerns? You know, Are you trying to, whomever is important to, taking your next steps right now? Are you creating those relationships? Because you know what? The engagement comes from feeling like you're in a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. as opposed to feeling like you're a cog yeah. in a machine. And I think some artists and writers, when I say artists, I mean songwriters too, they go on head trips, right? They get a little success or something, and then all of a sudden they feel like, okay, now... It's time for me to be an a-hole, you know? (laughs) Right. But I think more often than not, they're just not aware of this. And so it's not a malicious thing or a head trip. It's just they're ignoring maybe, or they're not reaching out enough or trying to connect enough. And I think one of the things that you can do is making sure that the people that are in your team know how much their work impacts your business, yeah, right? What you're doing and that they're good. Everybody wants to hear that they're doing their job great. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the idea that I'm paying you, so I'm paying you to do a good job. I expect you to do a good job. I know lots of people like that, and it works for them. Lots of really successful people like that. But we go overboard on this with our interns at Daredevil, for instance. I love that they stay in touch with me. We create a relationship. I feel they feel like they're valued and that they're learning something and that they matter. And I like to think that they feel that I'm grateful for what they're doing. And so I think that's the key right there. And because of that, I know that they go above and beyond what they normally would do to do good, you know, to do something incredibly cool, right? You give them something to live up to, right? 
you give them a reputation to live up to. Like, you're awesome. Where would I be without you? And that gives them something to live up to. Yeah. And I mean, out of that, Lexi was longtime employee and she was an intern first and she absolutely loved what we were doing. And we just so clicked and connected. She single-handedly made herself invaluable. So when she graduated, mm-hmm. I had to hire her because I was afraid of losing her, you know, <laughs> right. straight up. That is the God's honest truth. So this is because she just went over and above. Now, Lexi's an exceptional human being. You know, if I was just ignoring her or she wasn't made to feel like it mattered, mm-hmm. then she wouldn't do that. You know, right. Chelsea, same way. I mean, Chelsea over delivers every single day for us right now, mm-hmm. you and me both. And I try to make sure that they understand that it matters what they're doing and how much it makes a difference. So number two, and everybody I think has got a truckload of this right now, is workplace distractions, right? Because everybody's got to be at home. I was in a coaching thing yesterday. So I was coaching songwriter client. And during that time, my wife calls. They've opened up a little bit. So she's at an antique store, but she's out with the kids. So I don't know what's going on. I'm like, yeah. She's like, hey, can we get this twin bed for when Hazel? I, I don't know. But you answer because it's your wife because you just want to make sure everything's okay. And then like five minutes later, one of my kids comes up and ignores the sign on the door that says closed probably. And, you know, it's like, hey, dad, can I watch a wild crap? Fine. Yeah. Just get out. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Exactly. I have a few of those. And these are distractions that, listen, this is, you're forced to deal with this right now. But I think the list of distractions here that was in this blog was interesting. It was uh, noisy coworkers, social media, the internet, text messages, instant messaging, mm-hmm. water cooler talk, gossip, dogs in the office, <laughs> office activities, snacks. And she actually broke this down, which I liked, to categorize the distractions because some of them are bad and need to just go away and some of them can be good Mm -hmm. and some can be used in moderation so what i want everybody to do is list five distractions after you listen to this podcast five distractions write them down that you know take you down a rabbit hole of non-productivity could be facebook instagram youtube politics email tv Mm -hmm. chase and tail if you're single then Are they distractions that should be discouraged? Are they distractions that need to be limited or maybe scheduled at a different time? Mm -hmm. Or distractions that you can embrace? I am so guilty of like all of this (laughs) some days where, oh my gosh, like I'll get on a thing watching a Joe Rogan interview and then I like the interviewee Mm -hmm. and then I'm going down the rabbit hole of their content. And then all of a sudden it's three hours later and I'm like, holy crap. Guess what? I'm working that night until nine o'clock instead of three hours later. And I'm only halfway through the Joe Rogan episode because it's so long. Yeah. Now, part of our job is Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Mm -hmm. Twitter. It's like Sam Malone working in a bar. In Cheers. He's an alcoholic, but he works in a bar. It's like he's, exactly, right? Yeah. Exactly. So if you, what you are doing is moving you forward, great. And that's on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. But if you all of a sudden get caught up in your feed and you're consuming, then is this the right time to do that? Do it later so that you're optimizing the time that you have. Because wherever you are on your journey, whether it's at the beginning of your artist's journey or well on your way, you have lots to do and you need to make sure that you get the right amount of attention and in the most attention when you're giving the attention to what the job at hand right so 
And stuff like that with the social media stuff. Maybe you go through a third-party app like a Hootsuite or social. Yeah, or we're going to talk about that. Gonna we're going to talk, talk about, about that. Okay, that. yeah, that's coming up. I will hold my fire. That's coming up. Okay. Number three, lack of recognition, and this kind of t- ties in a little bit to number one. It's a derivative of that. But in her blog, she's saying, "Hey, employees who don't feel recognized are twice as likely to say they'll quit within the next year." Mm-hmm. How often do you recognize your team? And your team could be bandmates. Your team could be if you're far enough on your artistic journey that you've hired somebody like us or Mm -hmm. you've got you know social media people or PR people or management or a label or whatever how often are you making sure that they know that you think they're doing a good job yeah you know or that you're grateful for them and if you're a songwriter it could be songwriting co-writes I was thinking, especially during this time, Mm -hmm. what if you sent out an email to like everybody you've ever co-written with, even if it was like five years ago and you've never had another co-write with that person again, with no intention other than to reach out and say, hey, just wanted to tell you, I was thinking about you today. I just want to tell you, I think you're a great writer Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed our time together and I hope you're doing okay during this coronavirus thing. And that's it. Yeah. Be well, that kind of a thing. A little of that goes so, so long. We talked about a couple episodes ago on the score episodes, maybe two mainline episodes ago or something like that, one or two. Yes. That I'm trying to do is have 10 touch points a day. And I don't always get there, but sometimes it's, okay, I'm just going to text some people, scroll through my phone, see a contact I haven't contacted in a while, whether music business related, co-writer or not, and just send them a text going, hey, just thinking about you, sending up a prayer for you, hope everything's well. So not an ask, because sometimes we maybe don't know what to say. To reach out. Yeah. You know, we may feel a little awkward and we don't think about it just saying, hey. But I think that's a good thing. I'd appreciate that from co-writers. They're going, oh, wow, they thought of me. That's really nice. Because we all feel sometimes invisible as soon as we leave the room. Yeah. It's not to ask anything. Don't need anything. Just saying, hey, hope you're doing well. And just to kind of make that a consistent thing can go a long way. And with everybody having the kind of weirdness that's going on right now with this whole shelter in place thing. It's a great time to do that. A great time to email everybody you've ever worked with. Yeah. If that had anything to do with your artist career. Hey, I just thinking about you today. I made a list of people that I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're one of them. Thank you so much. I hope you're doing okay during this thing. And I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. When you shine a spotlight on, we talked about this in my last episode two weeks ago, but when you shine a spotlight on others, they feel recognized. When they feel recognized, they feel important. And then when they feel important, they're going to attach that feeling to you. Mm-hmm. How is that? How could that ever be a bad thing? You know, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Number four, perfectionism. Mm. Rachel writes, maybe you're not sold that perfectionism is a productivity killer. You might think that perfectionism is a productivity strengthener, but trust me, perfectionism can result in an employee getting nothing done. Mm. Or in this case, you getting nothing done, right? Yes. Perfectionism in writing a song, perfectionism in recording and releasing, perfectionism until you get the perfect content, you're not going to post any. Perfectionism in your marketing strategy, mm-hmm. right? I'll give you an example. I'll give a shout out to friends of mine, Williams Honor, killer country duo, musician-wise and writers, Reagan and Gordon are amazing. And they, I've been struggling, like everybody, to try to get their heads around digital. She's toured with Bon Jovi, Alice Cooper, and believe it or not, this is how good she is, Les Paul, man, like <laughs> jazz, you know? Yeah. 
both her and Gordon vulgar displays of prowess. They're so, so very good. They've had record deals. They've had this and that. And the machine works differently for them now. And they're trying to adapt, right? They've been doing this live thing every Wednesday. And she was, I think, maybe a little embarrassed about when she boosts an ad. And ideally... I don't want her boosting. I would rather her do real ads, but that's so sophisticated. They don't have a budget right now. So you know what? Boosting is better than nothing. Yeah. And she's trying to get more listeners and more views on these live shows that they're doing. And she was embarrassed to say, like, if it says sponsored, then she felt like that was cheating. And so we had to have this conversation about that. And I got her off the ledge and I'm like, look, I don't care who you are. Nobody's going to hear about your music unless you're interrupting somebody's attention span and putting it in front of them, Mm -hmm. you know? And so finally we got around that. And then the first boost she tried to do was like day of, it was a mistake. It didn't actually boost anything. She kind of screwed it up. And then we had a conversation and for the next week she got her act together and they went from like 2,500 streams immediately afterwards to 14,000 streams. Mm. If she's a perfectionist and she's like, well, until I know exactly what I'm doing, I'm not going to boost anything or I'm not going to try to, man, nothing would happen, right? She made the mistake, learned and got better. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's the thing. If you don't make mistakes, you don't make anything. Oftentimes, I think perfectionism is just a mask that resistance wears or that fear wears or that laziness wears or whatever. It's a protection racket. It's a protection thing to go, you know what, I can't put it out because it's not perfect yet. I think it was Seth Godin talked about the basketball. Yes. He said if they had been studying the basketball for 30 years, 40 years before they put out this thing called the basketball – it would be a sucky basketball and no one would know what to do with it. But what they did, the first basketball was pretty sucky. And yep. over time, it iterated and we built up all this. How many basketballs do they sell? You got the NBA, you got college hoops, you got high school, whatever, all this stuff. And we have a pretty darn amazing basketball for what it does. It's now perfect. How could this sucker be any better, right? If you'd studied all this time and released the basketball today, it would suck. 
It would be terrible. It wouldn't be anything yeah. that we need. And so that's the value of shipping and iterating. Iterating meaning you adjust as you go. I've seen this in other people. I think it's sometimes, yeah, you're just hiding. Listen, if John and I were holding to the level of perfection, we would still be working on an episode one of The Climb. And if you go back and listen to episode one of The Climb, you'll hear... It was not perfect. It was not perfect, yeah. And the sound was terrible, and we get better, right? We're getting better. Yeah. How many of you out there, how many climbers out there suffer from paralyzation through analyzation? Mm -hmm. And you never bring your art to the world because it's quote-unquote not done yet. And even for pros, it's an easy protection racket that subconsciously creeps in. There's a great story about Daniel Lanois, who produced Peter Gabriel's So album. Mm -hmm. And Daniel flies out to go produce this record to England. I think he was in America at the time, and he thought it was going to happen. They're going to get it done in two weeks. And he was there for like a freaking year. (laughs) (laughs) Missed it by just 50 weeks. Yeah, to Peter's credit, on a business sense, instead of renting a studio... He rented this huge house in the English countryside, and they put all the gear in this house mm-hmm. to record the record. So he's not paying this absorbent daily lockout fee. And literally, at one, at one point, I guess the vocal booth was in like this barn or something like that, or some other structure aside from the house. And Peter Gabriel was in there singing, and Peter wasn't getting anything done. He would do a little bit and then go meander off and go do something creative, and he wasn't focusing. So mm-hmm. he, Every time the snare drum hit on the track, he was pounding nails in the door so that Peter Gabriel couldn't hear it. And he locked him inside the house until until he finished. And Gabriel was pissed. He's like, I thought I was going to get fired at this point, but I just didn't care because it was taking so long. That's hilarious. Isn't that hysterical? And he was like purposefully every time he would hit the hammer to the nail would be when the snare drum hit. So Gabriel wouldn't notice. You know what he used to hammer that in? <laughs> Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. Thank you. Thank you. And a hit was born. I think the pursuit of perfection is a good thing, but don't let it toxically morph into a protection racket. And that goes with all aspects, not just the creation of your art, but also the marketing of it. Someone close to me has been working on launching some stuff for a while. And I'm like, go, go. It doesn't have to be all perfect. I'm like, mess up now. While nobody's listening. Yeah. Now is the time to screw it up and figure it out because no one's paying attention. It's okay if your blog posts aren't spot on yet. Why? Because no one's reading them anyway. Yeah, that's right. So you work it out and you'll get better by the time you start attracting people. You can't be Billy Squired where you publish one really crappy video and it just ruins your career (laughs) (laughs) because it was put on MTV and millions of people saw it. That's the good news about digital is when you're screwing up, nobody knows because if you were doing it right, everybody would know. Right. So you get to refine and you get to figure it out and find out where the traction comes from. But... I think more than anything, the artists need to really embrace this for digital marketing. Guys, this is where you got to be. You got to start figuring out like we're trying to figure out a daredevil, trying to architect what works, what doesn't work for artists. How can we drive traffic here and there? Because the broadcast is going away. It's not the same. It doesn't work like it used to work. So for, for all intents and purposes, broadcast is gone. And you're going to have to figure this out. And the only way you're going to figure it out is like you said if you're not making mistakes you're not making anything yep number five disorganization despite some claims that disorganized people know exactly where everything is disorganization has the potential to be a huge productivity killer and get in the way of your dream Mm -hmm. and it can pose 
security threats for businesses. I've suffered being on a team with this too, like missed meetings, missed deadlines, missed songwriting appointments. Oh, I put it in the wrong day. Sorry. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, uh, where I set up an artist with some very important co-writes and they were just missed because of disorganization. That makes me look bad now. Yeah. When I'm in the middle of a meeting and I get a call from the songwriter, Grammy winner, hey, where's your artist? What? <laughs> you know, yeah. big fire. I look like an idiot. Man, you've got to get this together. Unkept promises, missed opportunities happen out of disorganization. Mm-hmm. I also see this with indie artists who self-release. The release party is planned, but the mixes aren't done yet. The mastering hasn't happened. There's no videos. Mm-hmm. Everything isn't put together. Or consultations, this happens all the time. Well, I'm releasing in two weeks. I've got it. Okay. When did you upload it to the aggregate distributor? Oh, like, you know, yesterday. You're going to need more time than that. You need time. You need a couple months to get everything put together. And that clock doesn't start ticking until you have the CDs, the physical CDs in your hand. Or the masters are done and it's ready to go. With videos, I want to share a story about Adam Alpert, who is the manager for the Chainsmokers. He has been an integral person in the rise of the chain smokers, and their marketing is brilliant, and it's been a big, big game changer in the industry. And he tells the story that their two biggest videos, the lyric video for Closer and the actual official music video for Hope. Closer has over a billion views. The lyric video for Closer has over a billion views. And their buddy, who's a videographer, just rented a car and took a couple friend of his, the boy and a girl, and they just drove up and down the California coast and took some footage. It didn't cost Mm -hmm. them anything. You know, the video story for Hope, and I want you to go watch these. I think it has over like 600 million views. It's even better. He literally called up the guys in the chain smokers the night before the release and was like, hey, we freaking need a video. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, okay. I think they live in Southern California and there was a guest artist that sung on that. And luckily, I guess she was available, but they literally shot that in their freaking living room the night of. It cost them nothing. So some of the Chainsmokers videos, because, yeah, they're a major label act, they're sophisticated $200,000 shoots or whatever, but some of them just literally happen like in their living room because they're creative and they're resourceful. Yeah, but you're saying don't do that. Don't be disorganized and wait to the last second. Or make sure that before you release, it's done. In this case, they waited the last second, but they got a video to go with the track mm-hmm. that's being released as opposed to being disorganized and not having that out. Um, gotcha. Is the album single artwork completed? Is it been formatted and installed across all social media platforms and Spotify for artists and YouTube? If the CDs aren't back from the manufacturer and you're planning on that, stuff can go wrong. Mm-hmm. How many CD orders were disrupted by COVID? Or God forbid there's a fire at the manufacturer or something or something happens. Like Until you have them, you can't be planning the party. It causes all this stress, and you've got to get it into gear. So project management systems like digital to-do lists. I have a to-do list. I always have a to-do list. If I don't have a to-do list, I will go off the rails and down (laughs) rabbit holes of unforeseen depths and waste a massive amounts of time without a to-do list. Recurring tasks in your calendars, reminder apps. You've got to learn how to take care of business, even as a creative. Like, if I don't put an appointment in my calendar, then it doesn't exist. 
Yeah, yeah. I will miss the meeting or forget about it. I won't remember it. So this could be putting in writing time. Put it into your calendar. Yeah. With an alert on your smartphone. Hey, dummy, you got to write in 30 minutes. As David Allen said, David Allen, who does the getting things done methodology and stuff, uh-huh. he says the mind is a great place for having ideas. It is a terrible place for keeping them. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. I know this behavior about myself, and I know that if I don't take care of business right now and stop everything that I'm doing and put this appointment that just popped up onto my calendar, I will forget mm-hmm. to put it on my calendar. Yeah. There's this story about satisfaction that Keith Richards wrote the guitar lick for the uh-huh. Rolling Stones satisfaction in a hotel room in Florida. And he always kept a pad of paper and a little recording device by his bed. And he woke up in the middle of the night and had this bam, 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 he had that going through his head and woke up, recorded it, went back to sleep, woke up in the morning and forgot that he ever even recorded it. Yeah. We wouldn't have satisfaction, man, if he didn't take care of business. And in the creative sense, I call that honoring the muse. It's easier to slough on this on the creative sense, but when I have an idea for a podcast episode, if I don't drop everything and write it down and articulate the vibe and the energy of what I'm trying to get across, it will be gone forever. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got to honor the muse when it shows up, no matter what I'm doing. So, you know, I have Evernote on my phone. How many times I'm hanging on to an idea until I get out of the shower so I can pop it in Evernote? There you go. Naked and wet. Oh, hold on. I got to capture this title or whatever. Yeah. There you go. How many times have you said to yourself, like, I'll remember that and write it down later, or I'll finish this up and get back to that? Thing is, I don't even remember how many times I've said that and not done it. And that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Back to Joe Rogan. I was listening to Joe Rogan's interview with Eddie Izzard, who is just a brilliant, brilliant comedian and a straight transgender comedian. <laughs> Turning politician. I, like he I'm likes not even girls, sure but what he, that means, but he okay. loves women's clothes. Like, but if you've never been turned on to Eddie Izzard, man, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant comedian. But he's a straight up genius. He was talking about he's never wrote down any of his stand up routines. He just would work on them and develop them. He's not like a Robin Williams kind of guy where it's completely off the cuff. It's very structured, his stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's him. All the rest of us, we're gonna have to write it down and put yeah. it on a schedule. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So number six unnecessary meetings is what Rachel was writing about and it's just a time killer right I always hated unnecessary meetings when I was in the workplace Mm -hmm. but I think in this case packaging this up for artists and for songwriters and stuff I think so many of them are hung up on trying to get this meeting or that meeting or with this group or that group and Mm -hmm. man just put your head down keep writing songs keep creating keep recording Keep figuring out how to market yourself better and get out there and make sure that you're producing. When you're producing, the meetings are going to come to you, mm-hmm. okay? And then when that happens, believe it or not, this is largely overlooked, but before you walk into a meeting, you need to ask yourself, what is it that I want to get out of this meeting? Mm-hmm. And that simple task is going to help, number one, set the expectation, and number two, Make sure that you're focused and on point because you're now interacting with somebody else who their time is valuable to. And you want to make sure that you're not going off the rails. I think creating that agenda is a big deal. And for instance, we've talked about this before, Brent, but publisher meeting, right? Like if you're going in Mm -hmm. for your first publisher meeting and you haven't sat down and put a little bit of energy 
towards thinking about what do I want to get out of this meeting? And you've just asked yourself that question and honestly answered it. Right. You could go in with a bad agenda, right? Or an unrealistic agenda. Or no agenda, which is a bad agenda. Yeah. Even then, the other person that you're talking to might not have done that either because this is a very common mistake. So then you're just wasting time with each other and everybody's grabbing at the wrong things, you know? Yeah. So if somebody were to do like one of your play for publisher events and they get a mm-hmm. song and it gets in that top 10. If you go in saying, well, I want to get a single song contract mm-hmm. and it's the first time you're meeting this publisher, that's probably not a good agenda. Right. Not for that meeting. It might be longer term, but what's the mile marker for this thing? build some rapport hopefully they love the song try to get another at bat yeah and create a relationship so think about how mentally how it can go wrong if you're not taking care of this first if you mm-hmm. think that you're going to get a single song contract this person's listening to your song and they actually think like hey there's a songwriter in here I like mm-hmm. this. And they might be thinking, like, I want to make a relationship. But the critique that they're giving is that they're not going to use this song. And then already halfway through your time with this important publisher, your internal dialogue is going, this guy's not going to sign my song. What the hell? That's a great song. You know, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> yeah. you start to go sour and you're completely missing the boat. This person might absolutely have loved what was happening. Right. And saw some genius in there. But... If in your head you're like, okay, I just want to create a relationship with this person, then you're going to be focused on that and not tripping out over some unrealistic thing that didn't happen and missing an opportunity on account of this, right? That's right. One thing that may be an unnecessary meeting for you as a songwriter is that person somehow you got set up in the room with them, and now it's like the second or third co-write, and you know it's an incongruent co-write, meaning, hey, I want to write freaking top ten number one smash country songs and this person only wants to write for film and tv they may be really good but those are two different things you're not going to write one song that really fits both those things odds are because they hardly use any country and film tv stuff you could end up with something that suits neither of your needs or you write something that suits one of your needs but the other person is left out and it's not meeting their goals and that sort of thing or it's a buddy from back home or somebody you kind of knew back home and so you got in the room and then you got back in the room, but your songs sound like 1985, and you're trying to write current country hits or pop hits. or what, It doesn't make sense in a business sense. Yeah, yeah. That's an unnecessary meeting. Yep. Maybe push that to, this is my fun time. Go hang out with an old buddy from back home and write songs, but this is not money time. This is not business time. This is play time. File it under that so it doesn't happen to your business hours. And if it happened to get a great song, awesome. Surprise bonus. But this isn't work hours. Yeah, so I think unnecessary meetings, and I think that sometimes we mentally create unnecessary meetings in our head, and that creates disappointment, where that was my point, too, just about like, hey, keep working, and people are going to come to you when the motion is happening. If you're a songwriter and you're trying to get to a publisher, the meetings you need to be having are with other writers so that you're writing, 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 Mm -hmm. and getting better, creating more relationships, and maybe you're one step away. Maybe you know somebody who knows a publisher, right? You're one degree of separation. You're breaking that down from six to one to a point where you get a meeting it's a referral they're prepared to love you because you're a friend of this person who writes great songs and they're prepared to really listen to what you have to say but if all you're doing is like well i can't be a songwriter until i get a publisher meeting Mm -hmm. well unnecessary meeting right yeah. (laughs) yeah exactly all right finally we'll wrap this up here Technology problems. Rachel writes that your employees are only as efficient as the systems they use. You, as a songwriter and artist, are only efficient as the systems you use. If you don't have great gear, 
you're not going to go on tour, right? You're going to have to have good guitars, good amps, good drums. You're going to have to be a pro. You can't be a construction worker without tools, right? Yeah, which doesn't mean, going back to the perfectionism thing, though, doesn't mean you have to have the top of the line best thing ever in order to start. That's right. But keep an eye on that because my first guitar that my parents bought me like one year for Christmas or whatever, it was like a $75 guitar. It was cheap. It was not a great guitar. But you know what? The guitar was never the bottleneck. I was, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like yeah. once you overcome this guitar, then we can talk about upgrading you. But right now you're holding the guitar back. The guitar is not holding you back. If you work hard enough at it and practice enough where the guitar is holding you back, then we can have that conversation. So I think it's the same way with tech. You can start off simple and it doesn't have to be the best stuff because really you're going to be holding the tech back at the beginning. Right. When the tech starts holding you back, then it's time to look at upgrading. Yep. There's lots of different kinds of tech, right? What I want everybody to take an inventory right now, all the climbers, is is there technology that you currently lack that could change your life forever, making you more productive? Now, I will say this. Three years ago, I had an old PC, mm-hmm. laptop, and like all PCs, they have a five-year lifespan and they just go to crap because of the open technology that's in there. All the software becomes spaghetti together and it just slows down your rig. I invested in an Apple, like a MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. and it more than paid for itself. The amount of stuff that I could do with video content, with audio content, mm-hmm. just because I have a workhorse that's so much faster, it doesn't mm-hmm. crash, knock on wood. All right. And it's still, to this day, doing everything I needed to do. So that was worth the extra money mm-hmm. to get that tech and eliminate three years of technology problems. It was so worth the 3,500 bucks, you know, it wasn't cheap, but Mm -hmm. man, it's a workhorse every single day. It's being rode hard and put away wet. I promise you, you know, (laughs) but how about recording technology, video technology? We talked about a few episodes ago. Hey, I'm practicing what I preach. I just got a bunch of new stuff because we are going to be making boatloads of video content. And now I got the tools. I got the boys to make the noise. Your live show tech, graphics technology, Canva, PicMonkey, how well are you working on that? Maybe Photoshop. I suck at Photoshop. I don't even know which end is up, but I can rock graphics on Canva and PicMonkey. Content tech, Brent, you mentioned this before, like posting, mm-hmm. Hootsuite, stuff like that. When you come to the conclusion that I got to be posting all the time and it's got to be out there. It makes all of a sudden the price of social oomph or Hootsuite or TweetDeck or, you know, these things negligible because it's working for you. Mm -hmm. And then I'll leave you with this one killer sort of new graphics app that I absolutely love right now is called Wearable. I think the app is free, but I'm thinking about it now because we just took on a bunch of new interns and I'll give the interns a $15 Apple store credit to go and download the in-app purchases, but it's called Wearable. Mm -hmm. And Wearable will take, like, here's a little piece of tech. It's got a cost to get everything that you want it to do. But man, it's so great because it creates standout Technologies. It takes a picture and turns the picture into a video and you can add stuff like smoke or fire or explosions or electricity. If you have a picture and you have like long hair, Mm -hmm. it'll allow you to make the hair move in the picture, right? It's so subtle, but you're like, wait, what did I just see? Did that move? Like what's going on? You know, it's a great little piece of tech right there that can help you up your game as far as your content is concerned. 
You want to make sure that you're doing an inventory of what you have and what is it that you can be using here to make your digital game better. And the return on the investment is, like I said, with this Apple computer is insane. Mm -hmm. And that's that, guys. That's all I got to say about that. So we are here for you. Digital marketing is where it's happening now. And if you need any help with this, if you're far enough along in your journey, you got to get that art in front of new eyeballs. This is what we can help you out with. So hit us up through email at info at daredevilproduction.com. If you're a little earlier in your journey, and maybe a consultation would be better for you. One-on-one, we take an inventory of your assets. Here's what you got working for you. Here's what you can be working on to be a more well-rounded marketing approach to getting your stuff out there. And I'll give you a to-do list of things that you need to go to get organized to move forward. And just, again, same email address, info at daredevilproduction.com. Put consultation in the subject line, and we'll get something on the books. And then finally, if you haven't done so already, download the free PDF tutorial, 21 Biggest Reasons You Don't Have More Fans and How to Fix It. It's absolutely free just for playing our home game. Go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com, and tell us where to send it, and we'll get it right out to you. This will get your head straight to make sure that what time you are spending is being optimized and you're doing something that's actually going to help you take the next step. This podcast exists because we want you to win, guys, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.